This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. For all your workout and supplement needs, head over to SweetSweat.com. I'm telling you, my daughter works for Sweet Sweat. They do a phenomenal job. All the workout bands I've been using during quarantine, um, they just do a great job. They have all the things, everything you could possibly want at SweetSweat.com. Check them out because they do a phenomenal job. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing well. Um, you know, just, just kind of, I'm just... I, I hear all the talk about, hey, football, it's going to go ahead, mm-hmm. on schedule, don't worry, nothing to see here, don't need to worry about it. You know, and then I see that the Hall of Fame game and the Hall of Fame ceremonies have been canceled, uh, pushed back to two, uh, 2021 for this, this year's class, and I just, I mean, that's early August, right? Right. It, it gives me some pause, doesn't it, as to just, you know, is this going to go off as scheduled? I don't know that it's going to. I mean, I don't know that it's going to go off as schedule. Obviously, the NFL is more positioned, or they they're in a greater position of strength than the other leagues. And the other thing that's going to happen is these other leagues are going to start. I mean, baseball is going to start here in a week, right? They're going to start with their spring training um, or their summer training, getting ready for the season. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have some of the ebbs and flows, and some of the issues are going to be dealt with with basketball, with hockey, with baseball that the NFL's keeping close tabs upon. So there's going to be a learning curve that's going to go through this. I think the other thing that the NFL is more more readily available to do or, or, or you know, just based on their season is they can push this back from a September or whatever it is, start 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever it is, into October. And they've got – they can eliminate bye weeks. They've got the potential to do these things – push the Super Bowl back toward the end of February, maybe even early March. I mean, the NFL is is positioned as strongly as you could be positioned based upon when their season actually kicks off. So I heard the other day they're thinking about tarping the first six or eight rows and selling that as, you know, advertising space where they're going to try to recoup, recoup some of their gait. So, like, I think they're, they are they are put – or they put themselves in a position – of strength to a degree, and some of that's just fortuitous, right? Mm-hmm. Just because of the season and when it when it happens. But they have the ability to manipulate this thing. So I don't know that we're going to get it on time, Mike. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it's pushed back, but I I do believe we're going to get it. If that makes sense. Yeah, let the other sports be sort of a guinea pig for you, right? You know, let them go out, 
I mean, think about how like you make think mistakes, about, do things well, and you just we always take note. Yeah, we always talk about the Teflon nature of the NFL. I mean, think about this: they finished the Super Bowl what in middle of February or whatever it was first weekend of February, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, coronavirus hits. Everybody else gets. I mean, spring training stops in the middle of spring training. You know, basketball stops in March, um, and we go through what we've been through here. All the way into, you know, we're almost, we're approaching July for crying out loud. And everybody's trying to get up and running. Meanwhile, the NFL has just been operating as as per usual, pretty much. I mean, no physicals, but free agency still happened. And, uh, you know, and then the draft went off on a digital platform and it went off. I mean, it was better than advertised. Like some people were like, I like that so much. Why don't we just do it that way all the time? Right. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And so they have, um, they have really weathered this storm well, and most of it is not because of planning or anything. It's just because it's been of the nature of the NFL's seasons. And so I tell you what, they, I mean, they just—they're uh, already stronger than everybody else. They're already Teflon, and they've just—they've just even bolstered that. Now they've had very little in the way of controversy uh, within the ranks, you know, compared to other sports. But it, it was interesting. Wasn't it that the league sent out a memo? The Players Association, uh-huh. Players Association. This isn't the league. This is the Players Association. So it's players supposedly looking out for players, right? Sure. So the Players Association sent out a memo in which they encouraged all NFL players to stop their private practices. Yeah. That you've had a lot of quarterbacks getting together, throwing with receivers, uh-huh. maybe sometimes whole offensive units getting together to work at high schools and things right. like that. So they suggested that they stop. Guess who uh, continued to work out with a number of his teammates, completely ignoring sure. whatever whatever suggestion coming down, none other than Tom Brady. Yeah. I, there's two things that – well, I mean – we we are here in Colorado, and there's a report right now that Drew Brees is in town throwing to Emmanuel Sanders, the one receiver that he doesn't have any rapport with because they haven't worked together, right? So they're together. There's two things that that kind of resonate with me. So we have just watched baseball. We've watched the owners and the players' union or the players' association go head to head. I mean, to the point where they're just fighting tooth and nail. Like, the baseball season is going to get canceled. The players are saying when and where. Baseball's like, let's throw another, you know, proposal out. And they get to the point where, Mike, they get to the point where baseball offers 60 games, fully prorated season, fully prorated salaries for that 60 games. And the Player Association comes back and counters with 70 games. Like, you would think that. Yeah, and there was a few other things in there, but you know that was the that was, ten games was the was the the chasm. They couldn't cross a ten game chasm. Like that's right. way right. too big. Like right. we can't jump over that. I mean, it's literally like jumping over a sheet of paper, and they can't. Neither side can do it. But here's what's fascinating about it: the National Football League's Players Association sends out a memo and says, "Hey, let's stop doing this, guys." And you know what the NFL players do? They flip the bird to them. They're like, "F you guys. We don't listen to the players' association." Does, it spe- does that speak though to how that what they're actually doing is important? That well, it I, matters. I think it. I think it speaks to it's important, and it also speaks to yeah, we don't really trust our players' association. Where the players' association of the Major League Baseball, this is one thing that has I've been so impressed with. You did not hear one guy 
speak out against the Players Association. You did not hear one guy in baseball even, I mean, even waver, even question, even say maybe we should. They just towed the whatever, hey, whatever the Players Association says, we're towing the company line and we're in lockstep. Not one guy is stepping out of that. Where our union comes out and says, hey, guys, really, we think it's best. No, up yours. We're not doing that. (laughs) Pound sand. What have you guys ever done for us except roll over? Right. I mean, that, that is it. And then here's the other thing. So that's one thing that resonates with me, okay? Here's the other thing, Mike, is the, like, when you've had the amount of success that Drew Brees has had, and you've had the amount of success that Tom Brady has had, the GOAT, Six world championships, played in nine, right? Nine Super Bowls he played in. Six times he's won it. That you're not sated by success. That you're like, I ain't listening to that crap because I got work to do. He's going to be 43 years old. And I got to go out here and grind. Like, human nature would tell you when you have a, even a modicum of success, Right, you rest on your laurels for a little. You know, you just kind of like, you. Hey, let's put her in cruise control. Like we're all, it's all good. We'll just cruise control. Like Tom Brady does not. He does not have like a. It's an on button or it's a off button. Mm-hmm. Like he does not have a half-ass button. Like the majority of of people do. You want to know what makes him great? The fact that like I've always said this, like. It's not Sundays is not the reason you retire. You, if it was just Sundays, it was you'd just play. playing the game. Yeah, it's Monday through Saturday that grinds on you, that wears you down, or all the off-season stuff. Yeah, right. I've heard a number of athletes say if it was just about playing the games, that'd be fine. But it's it's, it's all, all the work the, you got to put in it's the conditioning, all the work to, yeah. to prepare to play on Sunday, yeah. and the fact that. The fact that guys like Breeze and guys like Brady, they just, I mean, they just go. When I, when I was in New Orleans last summer consulting for the Saints, um, you know, I got done with the whole day. It's like 5 o'clock. I've been, I've been in there under the white spotlight, you know, just going through every, hey, man, we want to talk about, you know, tight zone and wide zone and, you know, 14 and 15 and, you know, by the uh, way, folks, if I could just interrupt, Mark, you showed me that, yeah, that rundown of what you guys were going to cover. Right, I immediately had newfound respect for you guys as offensive. Line. I did not realize, right, there was that much that yeah. went into playing O line. Hey, I want to know about uh, like like what like a wide zone, okay. I want to know about the combination between guard and center. If you've got a three technique, a two technique, a two eye technique, then I want to know bubble between you and tackle. And, you know, and I want to know if you're bubbled, if you've got a, you know, I mean, it was just this intent, the intensity in, in all the different combinations you have to get something blocked. And we went through all the zone stuff. We went through power. We went through counter. We went through gap plays, like everything that you could possibly go through. Then we went through pass protection, up kicks, five-step drops, five-step drops with a hitch, seven-step drops. What, like, I mean, it was just an intense um, an intense two days of, of meetings. So I'm getting done. We're, it's like 5 o'clock. I've been there. It's my second day. And, um, and 
I had flown in the day before. We had, you know, we had kind of got together, talked about what we were going to talk about, and then I got in that morning. I think they picked me up at five thirty in the morning or something, six o'clock in the morning, and so we spent the whole twelve hours just going through stuff, right? And so, anyhow, long story short, I'm finishing up. It's probably five o'clock. Here comes Drew Brees bebopping in the building, and a bunch of the receivers showing up as well, and they're going to spend two hours working on stuff. You know, Drew Brees is just like, this is what we do, you know? And it it just is a kind of a fascinating, everybody's already been there, worked out during the day, but he comes back in the evening with his guys where it's not so hot and steamy, and they go. And I, I just, like, that that amount of work when you've had that much success, mm-hmm. same with Tom Brady, like, that you're not sated by your success, that you just keep grinding, it goes against human nature, really does. Oh, it really does, and it explains that the great ones are truly wired differently. Right. Yeah. Like most most of us, guy, man, I'm good. Hey, man, I got millions of dollars in the bank. You know, I'm married to Giselle. You like, she's making, she's my sugar mama. Like things are good. I'm all right. No, man, that guy. Now, that guy but there is one. Okay, as we're extolling the virtues of Tom Brady. I can see why Patriot fan is listening to all this right now going, really? Where was this last spring when Brady didn't show up for OTAs, didn't show up for minicamps, said that he wanted to spend more time with his family, mm-hmm. and was a no-show through the entire Patriots offseason, and then goes out during the season and is basically every week complaining about his offense right. and these young receivers that he can't get on the same page with. What about all that right. valuable time that he blew off that could have been spent getting a relationship with Nikhil Harry or uh, you know any of these other receivers that uh, midway through the season he couldn't stand? Yeah, interesting in that I believe the way the New England Patriots have handled some of their personnel decisions has completely irritated him. Obviously, there was there's tension between he and Belichick. Um, with that, it, and and here's the deal: it's not like Tom Brady wasn't getting his work done. It's not like Jules wasn't over in the yard and they were going to right. It's not like that stuff didn't happen. It's I can I can understand Brady like you've run off Gronkowski. You've like you've you've you guys grind so much on the players that you know you've done, and then you haven't supported us with with guys who have experience. Like you know, I I, I get where he's he's frustrated, and after that many years, I suppose that you just get to the point where like I am I'm finished with the way you guys handle you know the, the personnel department. I mean it's it's like. It's like the the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. He's thrown one TD pass in the course of his career to somebody who was drafted in the first round. And that guy was drafted in the first round of the Jacksonville Jaguars by the name of Mercedes Lewis. I mean, like Peyton Manning has 230 touchdowns to first round, right? I mean, or whatever, 290 or whatever it is. That That's a crazy statistic to me. And then you've got a chance in the... Best wide receiver class in the history of the draft to get yourself a wide receiver. And who do they get? 
Jordan Love, a kid that, you know, I mean, he's got a potential upside, yeah. but it's not ready to play quarterback. And, you know, I, I mean, I understand where the frustration comes from if you're a guy like Tom Brady or if you're a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know you're close, you're closer to the end than you are to the beginning, and you don't feel like your team is really saying, hey, man, we're going to give you all the support we can give you uh, until the time it comes to an end. So, I mean, I can I can understand that. I can understand where they're coming from. You understand the way the Cowboys have handled Dak Prescott, signed the franchise tag, $31.4 million. Are they going to uh, look smart? For the way they handled this, or are they going to end up having to dramatically overpay Dak down the road as opposed to what they would have paid him if they'd worked out a deal now? I I what does this all tell us? I mean, to me, it just it just it just it tells me that no matter the glossy numbers that Dak's put up through the first four years of his career, that that Jerry and the Cowboys just aren't sold. On him, right? Why? I don't know. What, what, I, where, I don't, are they, where are they going to go find something better? I don't know why they're not sold. It's almost as though they're just afraid to set the market. Like they're afraid of the criticism of setting the market, and maybe they have question marks. Maybe they don't believe that he's the guy, right? Maybe it's that Kirk Cousins thing that he's a great quarterback against bad teams, but against the above 500 teams, he's average. I don't know. Maybe it's all those things, Mike. Here's what I know. That you have to set the market because that's the way the system works. And then you know what I know? Once you set the market, there'll be four other guys that leapfrog it. I remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was traded for a second rounder to the San Francisco 49ers, and they set the quarterback market with Jimmy Garoppolo, and everybody said, are you kidding me? $27 million a year for Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo looks like bargain basement shopping. Jimmy Garoppolo is like the guy you get at the dollar dollar store now compared to what these quarterbacks are going to make with Patrick Mahomes and everybody else, right? So I'm like... You set the market, but guess what? Somebody's going to usurp that market right off the bat. What if you'd have come to, what if you'd have come to Dak early, before he had the leverage he has now? Because you think about this, Mike. Think about the leverage right now. He signed his franchise tender. If they don't get something done by July fifteenth, he's going to make almost thirty-two million dollars, which is, I believe, and I was listening to Adam Schefter um, on this. I believe it's like 15, 16% of their cap, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Next year, he's guaranteed, if he just franchise tags again, he's guaranteed $38 million, like $38 million. And oh, by the way, based on the pandemic we're living Mm -hmm. in and the gate that we're probably going to have to forego with limited or no fans in the stands, now all of a sudden that $38 million with the cap dropping is going to be somewhere between 20 and 30% of the cap value. And they have to pay it to him or release him. And by the way, no team I think has ever won a Super Bowl with their quarterback taking up that big a percentage of the, the payroll. Right. And so, I mean, like, he is in this position of strength. What well, You know what you should do? You should just basically sign him to, hey, we're going to give you... 
a dollar less than than Russell Wilson. And here you it, like and just eat it. I think eat you're it. right. I think I think teams are afraid to set the market because somehow it, it's going to make them look bad. They'd rather try to chase the market or catch up to the market and overpay. But at that point, the guy's already proven himself, so you don't have as much of a, of a problem overpaying the guy because he's proven himself right. versus setting the market for a guy that you think is the guy, but you got just a little bit of doubt, so it stops you from going ahead and making that big move. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know what Dallas is waiting for because I, I remember. I remember their narrative, the Dallas narrative, early in this process. Well, if we pay Dak Prescott, we won't be able to pay. Right, 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 right. And then all of a sudden, Amari Cooper, yeah. you get a hundred million dollars. Yeah. You get, you know, yeah. you get Zeke, Zeke you, you get paid, paid. You, get yeah. paid. you get paid, you get paid. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't buy any of that garbage. Figure it out. Like, like Dak Prescott's not responsible for your cap. He he's not responsible to make sure that you're under the cap. That you have guys that you pay to do that. Figure it out, and like like you know, Teddy KGB said in Rounders, pay that man his money, right? <laughs> pay the man his money, right? I mean, that's that, that's the bottom line to me. So hey, listen, Dak Prescott, you're in a position of strength, huge position of strength. And listen, there's not very many times as an NFL player you get the hammer. So swing that some bitch, swing it. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, I'm Mark Schler, along with Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Thank you so much to our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. Check them out on the, all their social media uh, apps, you know, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Sweet Sweat. You can also find them at SweetSweat.com for all your workout needs, uh, all your exercise needs, all your fitness needs at SweetSweat.com. We'll be back with you guys next week.